0: Welcome to SECC. We pray that you are blessed today as you listen. These are the commands, decrees and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live By keeping all of his decrees and commands that I give you. And so that you may enjoy a long life. Hear Israel and be careful to obey. So that it may go well with you. And that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey. Just as the Lord your God of your ancestors promised you. Hear O Israel the Lord our God the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. When the Lord your God brings you to the land he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, to give you a land with large flourishing cities you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide, wells you did not dig, And vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. Then, when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Fear the Lord your God, serve him only, and take your oaths in his name. Do not follow other gods, the God of the peoples around you, for the Lord your God, who is among you, is a jealous God and his anger will burn against you and he will destroy you from the face of the land. Do not put the Lord your God to the test as you did at Massah. Be sure to keep the commands of the Lord your God and the stipulations and decrees he has given you. Do what is right and good in the Lord's sight so that it may go well with you and that you may go in and take over the good land that the Lord has promised on oath to your ancestors, thrusting out all your enemies before you, as the Lord said. In the future, when your son asks you, what is the meaning of, your, of the stipulations, the decrees, and the laws our Lord, our God, has commanded you, tell him, we were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt, But the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Before our eyes the Lord sent signs and wonders, great and terrible, on Egypt and Pharaoh and his whole household. But he brought us out from there to bring us in and give us the land that he promised on oath to our ancestors. The Lord commanded us to obey all these decrees and to fear the Lord our God so that we might prosper and be kept alive as is the case today and if we are careful to obey all this law before the lord our god as he commanded us that will be our righteousness
1: so we're going to spend a few minutes just looking at the verses that are read to us a moment or two ago in the service uh, across covid and uh, i know that we talk a lot about covid and uh, one of the things i'm looking forward to is not discussing covid uh, as much in the next couple of years but we've um, we've had many themes uh, that we've seen from god's word reflected in god's word that we've experienced during this pandemic i know for me i found it fascinating how god's word has illuminated our particular situations last week we spoke about meat being sacrificed to idols at the temple in 1 corinthians 8 I remember right at the very beginning, um, looking at the, at the uh, Noah and his ark, and I think it was a thought for the day, I can't really remember. But I remember the, the numbers, um, the 40 days and, and various other bits of that story, actually when I did that particular talk, it coincided almost perfectly uh, with either what we were expecting or what we'd already experienced. But there's one thing that I've returned to in some of my talks uh, repeatedly throughout COVID, which is the exodus, the journey of Israelites from Egypt to the promised land over in Canaan. And that 40-year round trip of round around circles across in the Jordan and how God provided and blessed them. And today I want to reflect um, at the, uh, on something from Deuteronomy 6 and the end of that journey. They've left Egypt, 40 years have passed, and now they stand on the cusp of the inheritance of God and being all that God has promised and called them to be. They're at the edge of the wilderness, we find them in Deuteronomy 6, and at the beginning of the promised land. And whilst we, n- we realise there's probably a long way for us to go yet with COVID, it does feel like we're near nearer the edge of the COVID wilderness. And we're beginning to see the beginning of something similar to life that we lived before COVID happened in March 2020. And for Israel, as they stared and they looked across the Jordan, at uh, the uh, promised land in front of them, as they saw it kind of sprawling out in front of them, uh, for them, there must have been a huge sense of relief. They have finally made it. But what's gonna, what they're going to see in the book of Deuteronomy, particularly in chapter 6, actually is there's lots more to do as they cross over from the wilderness into the promised land. There's much more to do. They have to drive out the inhabitants. Um, God's going to use them uh, to sort of judge and punish those nations that have rejected him in the promised land. When they get there and they take this land in its entirety, although they don't quite do that, they've then got to divide it up fairly uh, with their people. And also, there's gonna be lots to remember as they enter the Promised Land. They're not entering for themselves in their relief. They've got to go in with a different mentality, a different mindset. They've got to remember to worship God alone and not any of the idols, Baal and the Canaanite gods and things like that. So in Deuteronomy chapter six, we see three things. We see a lesson, we see a truth, and we see a very stern warning for God's people this group standing here on the edge of the wilderness, the beginning of the promised land, is a different group entirely to the ones that left Egypt. A whole generation of Israelites have died out. They've, they've died because of the rebellion of God. They've got old and they've just passed away on the journey to the promised land. This is their children, the second generation. They're a different group, but they are the ones on the cusp of inheriting all that God has promised for all those hundreds of years, right back to the time of Abraham in fact. And this is the group of people that finally will be what God promised and called them to be, a nation of priests, priests, a light to the Gentiles and the Jews themselves, a blessing to the whole world. But the hard work is only just beginning. We tend to see this journey as, phew, we've finally made it, they're finally they can take their shoes off and relax But actually, as we enter all that God calls us to be, as we enter our inheritance, as we follow Jesus into the life he calls us, often the hard work is only just beginning, and it's worth remembering that. So let's look at the lesson, first of all. And the lesson is simply this, to live out in the promised land the lessons that have learned in the wilderness. Verses 1 to 2 of Deuteronomy chapter 6. Moses says, These are the commands and decrees, the laws, the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live, by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you, so that you may enjoy long life. In other words, what Moses is saying is that wilderness journey that you've just been through, you've just endured for 40 years, wasn't unnecessary travel. It wasn't somewhere where you just endured to get to where you really should have been. Actually, it was a place where you began to understood God in a new way. It was in the wilderness that they received the law of God at Mount Sinai, the Mosaic law. It was there they understood and agreed the covenant with God. It was there that they understood ritual and worship and through their experience, what it meant to walk with God on a daily basis. The lessons of the wilderness they're to take with them into the promised land. The rest of Deuteronomy will contain law after law after law about how they're to behave once they cross over into the new, the new place. They're to take those lessons of the desert into the place of freedom and abundance. Verse 4 of uh, chapter 6 is known as the Shema, which is simply uh, the Hebrew word for here. I'm sure I haven't pronounced that very well. It says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. The big lesson that they've learnt during um, their walk through the wilderness is that there is only one God. Every other uh, description or definition of God is false or an idol. There is only one God, and they've understood that. They've understood that for them and for all people, there is no place for false gods or foreign gods or idols. And they have to take that understanding into the promised land. I won't read it, but if you get a chance, read all of chapter 8 of Deuteronomy. Because in there you get this wonderful description about how they've got to keep God first. The lessons of the wilderness need to be taken into the promised land. And as we begin to get to the edge of our COVID wilderness... What kind of things have we learned that we need to take with us into um, a life that looks similar to what we lived before? At the beginning of COVID, right back in March 2020, uh, many people were, were facing up to their mortality, perhaps for the first time. The possibility that many people might die, that we might even know ourselves may even have paid uh, that great cost if we caught this terrible disease. Many people at the beginning of COVID understood that life was more than their job. More than the money in their bank account. More than the fun and the fashion that they so enjoyed. Leisure became a burden to us in that first lockdown. Actually, what we began to realise was the importance of our our family and our friends. As Christians, we understood that we had to rely on God 100%. For many people, their Bibles came alive, their prayer life became rich because they realised that actually everything was potentially being stripped away and they wanted to trust in God in the way they hadn't done before. And as we walk into a a kind of back-to-normal life, we need to take that with us. Because there will be temptations to put God second when we go back to normal. What about being Christians and the church? We realised, didn't we, the importance of a phone call. The importance of a doorstep visit. The importance of a gift, an unexpected one. And this too is what we need to take with us as we go back to normal. Not back to a kind of individualistic Christianity. But one where we keep a corporate um, togetherness as God's family. So that's the lesson that they had to take with them from the uh, the wilderness to the promised land. But what about the truth? The truth that they had to to hear again in Deuteronomy 6 and, and this moment before they entered the promised land is what I've just read from verse 4, that God is one. Here at the edge of the abundance of God's blessing that are about to endure in the promised land, they're to hear this truth. They're to remember this truth. There is only one God. You see, the Canaanites and the other nations that they're about to see um, had multiple gods, whole pantheon of pantheons of gods. They had the Asherah pole that they would worship. They had all sorts of uh, household gods and statues and edifices that they worshipped and bowed down to. Multiple gods, but... God, the only true God, says to Israel, the Lord is one. They're reminded that Yahweh is the only God. But more than this, this oneness of God is about exclusivity as well. Because for this particular period of history, there's a great temptation to just include other gods in your worship and have lots the more the merrier, perhaps they might have thought. But actually God wants something more from his people. As you enter a world full of idols, I'm to be the only thing that you worship. You're not to worship a single other idol. You're not to worship anything else because they're all false. They're all from the dark place. I'm the only God, the only king, the only one you should bow down to. In fact, God is so anti-idols, he even commands them not to even build an image of himself. He's the invisible God. And then to worship him only, not his creation. Let me read to you chapter 4, verse 32 to 35. And so we read this. Ask now about the former days, long before your time, from the day the Lord, the day God created human beings on the earth. Ask from one end of the heavens to the other: Has anything so great, ever, like this, ever happened? Or has anything like it ever have been heard of before? Has any other people heard the voice of God speaking out fire as you have and lived? Has any God with a small g ever lived to take for himself one nation out of another nation by testings by signs or wonders by war by a mighty hand and outstretched arm or by great and awesome deeds like all the things the Lord your God did for you in Egypt before your very eyes you have shown these things so that you might know that the Lord is God besides him. There is no other. The great lesson that the Israelites have learned as they've seen the miraculous provision of food from manna and quail, water from the rock, the protection from enemies, the fact that their clothes didn't wear out. It's so God drills home, there is only me. I'm the only one. You are not to worship anything else in all of creation. I'm to be exclusively yours. As we cross over uh, the waters of COVID back into life that we once lived before, We will again face the great temptations and excesses of the past. They will come to you. They will assault your spirituality. Like the serpent at the tree with Eve, they will twist the words of God. And they will twist them with death in mind only. They will try to get you to worship what God has made, rather than God the creator himself. And we must fight the idols that we will face when we go back to normal. We must keep what we saw of God in the first lockdown. The reliance on his word, on the power of his spirit and his very nature. We need to be clear that God is all that we worship. And we need to live off his word. Augustine said this, Augustine said this, Idolatry is worshipping anything that ought to be used, or using anything that ought to be worshipped. And another quote I read this week, Though we do not face a pantheon of false gods like the Israelites did, We face pressures from a pantheon of false values, materialism, love of leisure, sensuality, worship of self, security and many others. The second commandment deals with idols. This may be something that most of us can't relate to unless we include life goals that revolve around something other than God himself. What is the object of our affections, our efforts and our attention? Where does the majority of our time go? On what do we spend the greatest amount of our resources? These are our Promised Land idols. And these God calls us to cast aside and worship Him only. And then there's that warning that I mentioned as well. Simply, God says, to obey Him. As they enter the Promised Land, it's not just for them. They're going in for the entire world. They're going in to be a light to the nations, to be God's priests, to be a blessing to all humankind. And they will do that only by obeying him and keeping his laws. In verse 5, we get what's known as the great commandment, which Jesus will quote later in the Gospels. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Note the absence of the word some or occasional, all, all the time. As they enter the promised land, they're to do just that. For Israel, to disobey and worship false idols will mean direct punishment by God. But if we worship false idols, if we reject the things of God as Christians, it means a loss of his blessing in our lives, a damaging of our relationship with him, a loss of his favour on our church, and that we won't live out the call of God on our lives. The solution is verse 7, to talk about God. Verse 7 says this, Impress them. These are God's laws, God's commandments. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. In other words, when you enter the Promised Land, make sure that you are talking about God's law every single day to your kids, to your parents, to your friends, everybody. Whether you're lying down, sitting, going for a walk, going for a bike ride, bungee jumping, whatever you might do, wherever you go, you must always be talking about the King of Kings and His laws encouraging each other to stand firm but then we must bind them as well verse 8 tie them as symbols on your hands bind them on your foreheads write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates the jews literally did this didn't they they wrote them and they they stuck them on their arms and their foreheads on their doorposts and you know if you know anything about jewish culture you know what i'm referring to and it's not literally meant to be that It's this idea that everything you have, everything you are is defined and covered in the law and the goodness and the commands of the king of kings. And then third one, the word recall. Verse 20 to 25. I'll just read these. In the future, when your son asks you, what is the meaning of the stipulations, decrees, laws the Lord our God has commanded you? Tell him, we were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt. But the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Before our eyes the Lord sent signs and wonders great and terrible on Egypt and Pharaoh and his whole household. But he brought us out from there to bring us in and give us the land that he promised on oath to our ancestors. The Lord commanded us to obey all these decrees and to fear the Lord our God so that we might always prosper and be kept alive as is the case today. And if we are careful to obey all his law before the Lord our God, as he commanded us, that will be our righteousness. They've got to obey God. They will do that by talking about him. They will do that by binding his word on their lives. And they will do that by recalling to their family and their friends for generations. So we're so desperate to get out of the COVID situation, aren't we? So let me ask a very clear question. When we cross over from COVID to a normal life, with all of its temptations and excesses, will you enter, will we enter, and carry with us what we've learnt? Will we walk into our old lives, but we will walk back into them under the conviction of the uniqueness of God, carrying with him, carrying with us, that idea of his oneness and that exclusivity that we're to worship him alone? Or will we be foolish enough to think that we can return to this fragile life and worship idols as well as worshipping the living God. Will we in fact have a better understanding of what it means to follow the king of kings? We honour him in word and deed. The river gets closer for us to cross. Soon we will be on the other side. God is challenging us to be different this time. Well, we've reached the end of our time together. Like I said at the beginning, next week we're back in person and and hopefully we won't have to have any disruption like this for hopefully ever, but you never know. And I will see you soon, but God bless.